Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And that's hilarious because I was not sure I was going to remember it. (laughs) It's been like, I mean, actually, it hasn't been that long, but there have been moments where I've been like recording more regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, today, my guest is uh, Matt. And I actually like... You're the first Insta- person that I've met through Instagram that doesn't have their last name. Oh, uh, I know. I'm so their- anonymous. <laughs> and specifically, <laughs> your your uh, Instagram is uh, a generic Matt, too. So. <laughs> I, know, I do everything to mask myself. Well, uh, what's your last name? My last name is Miranda. Miranda. Mm-hmm. Like I, the rights? Like, yes, have your Miranda yeah, rights? That's my drag name is Miranda Rights. Oh, is it when, for <laughs> <laughs> When I... No, I mean, like, I'm not a serious drag performer by any means, but... In my complete ideal good. form, I'm Miranda Wrights. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I well, my rap, my Spanish rapper name, and I'm not a Spanish rapper, is Lenguasada, okay. which, <laughs> which is cooked tongue, or like yeah, in uh, in terms of like food. So it's like I spit hot fire. Oh, nice! Wow, very <laughs> dragon, so we all dragon have energy. Our, <laughs> <laughs> we all have uh, our, uh, our our our. Uh, alter egos mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah so uh so matt miranda i feel like i should say it all together my guest today is matt miranda um cool man so we met through instagram i actually i was i i you are essentially a stranger i don't even know where you're from <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like, well. you told me you were gonna be in la and i was like and i'm usually skeptical about that when people are like I'm in LA during, you know, for like a certain number of weeks. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably not going to make it out. No, I'm going to be a ghoster. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I don't, I I, I usually just like, I'm like, we'll probably just record over Skype. (laughs) Cause it's like, I just can feel the ambition and I'm just like, yeah, I don't think that you're probably. Oh, I just don't have time for no one. (laughs) No, it's, I, I think that like, I think that when you like, when you get invited the idea of like two hours is sounds like fine, but then when you you when you're on vacation and you're like fuck, I gotta go talk to someone for two hours. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I'm sure it's no. like exhausting. No, I mean I'm not shitting on them. I'm just surprised that you, that you made it uh, because my experience with that has always been like, yeah, I definitely yeah. wasn't sh- throwing shade or anything. Like no, that. no, I'm not feeling shade. <laughs> there, there are people that I will throw shade at, but not not <laughs> not people that uh, when they are on vacation think they ha- they can work in a podcast. <laughs> No, I was thankful for the opportunity, and uh, um, I think it's really important. And I feel like I'm a very awkward communicator when I can't, when I'm not embodied, or like when I can't oh, read yeah, a person's yeah. body language. So I, yeah, yeah, I was in a neighborhood and it's planning to come can, out. Can you know. feel the judgment? In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can feel your elevated leather chair. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm actually in the sh- in in the market for a new chair for sure. 
Um, uh, just because this is like an office chair and it doesn't serve my purposes <laughs> in this house. No, I don't have a desk. Kind of, <laughs> she looks like she's serving you well. Or she, I don't know. She served me well. It's she's super comfortable, but like, yeah. We're, well, chair talk with yeah, that. chair talk. Also, I didn't mean to misgender your chair. And oh no, yeah. I, I just never thought to gender it. So. <laughs> um, so where where are you from? And you're visiting LA from where? So I am currently living in Mesa, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was born and raised and lived my whole life in California. Okay. And I Southern California, like in this Southern area? California. Yeah, I was. That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I never say specifically where because it comes with certain crowds. A, with a little bit of stigma. Um, oh, okay. So we're we not gonna know. <laughs> it's like Barstow oh, okay. and Apple Valley, Victorville. All right, Hesperia. I don't home. really know too much about like that area, but I uh, uh, meth is the first thing that the, the exa- people <laughs> make me yeah, have I, have, <laughs> have I, I've been groomed to think about. Well, it's right because um, when I, my uh, chemistry teacher in like the seventh grade <laughs> was like, he said, I was doing a science project that required. Um, um, ethyl alcohol, I believe, and then oh. he like wrote me a place to go to get ethyl alcohol, and it was like a chemistry supply store. But he specifically advised me, and he was like, "You just you better watch out for the certain people that frequent this location, and like <laughs> which is so coded for meth like cookers. I don't even know what they're called, but yeah." So it was like, I, I love that you describe it with such a square, like you know, meth like cookers. Yeah, I don't meth, know what they're meth, called. Yeah, <laughs> meth chefs. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's who, that's Raekwon, I don't, he wasn't cooking meth, or, no, wait, maybe he was, Raekwon the chef, I don't know, I th- he might have been, it, it was, mm. let's not oh. speculate, <laughs> <laughs> now I just feel like such a poser, because I love the, the, the Wu-Tang Clan, but I oh. like, I'm like, not up to date on like, he'll cook up, well, one of the things about Chef also is that he always talks about uh, cooking in his rhymes, too, oh, so. <laughs> nice, yeah, but, um, but yeah, so so you're from Barstow, and then well, I was born in. It, it, I was more like raised in Apple Valley. Which Apple Valley, is, um, a really close by desert. Okay, um, if you just say Apple city. Valley and you leave out the Barstows, like the and the, and the Victorvilles, people would have no idea. I know. I mean, like people have assumed that it's an agrarian town, and it's something. And they, I've met people that are outside of California, and they're like, oh. Apple Valley, I bet there's great wine or something. I was like, oh, you mean Apple Valley? Or like, I'm totally not that kind of California. Cool, man. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's hilarious. What, how are you liking Arizona? What's what's the scene like over there? It's, I mean, I I can't make any great um, You've been kind of insightful comments about the community. Uh, mm. I've only been there for a year and a half, but so okay. far, um, as someone who's working... Um, in the arts, it seems like a really vibrant uh, ex- place that's really accelerating towards somewhere fast. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of development projects. There's a lot of um, open and free real estate. So it's oh, kind wow. of a dream for um, artists who are, um, you know, being priced out of the more expensive parts of the Southwest and still want to live near a metropole, quote. So um, there's a lot of warehouse space and a lot of gallery space that are places that can t- be t- become in Mesa. Yeah, and well, in, yeah, it, yeah, definitely in Mesa, but 
I think generally in the the Phoenix Valley. So that's my impression. <laughs> the Phoenix being the city, Phoenix Valley. Yeah, yeah. So Phoenix, it has yeah. it's like the LA the wider suburban. Uh, uh, Does it trap around. smog like we do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the the sun is so um, searing. That oh, I, yeah. like, I don't notice anything. But do you have to like uh, like wear chapstick and stuff like that? Does it get yeah, that bad? Yeah, well, I mean, I, when I first moved there, I was very ashy. And it took a lot of acclimation, but it's this cross where I'm like trying to uh, have very breathable summer wear, but then mm-hmm. uh, have, I'm so prone to mosquitoes in oh, Arizona geez. apparently. So I'm learning. I'm learning different kinds of fabrics that provide Desert full coverage. And mosquito <laughs> combination is like I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the real estate is what it is. Yeah, I, yeah, and they're like they're very very you know voracious and. Um, for what? Like very voracious breed of oh, mosquitoes. Okay. Really small, really fast. I thought really you said hard they're very known for racists. Oh, no, no probably. I don't know. <laughs> I feel personally attacked. <laughs> uh, cool, man. So uh, do, you, do you have a topic that you wanted to share with me today? Yeah, I mean, generally, I feel like... Uh, so I am in the... This, this, in my second year of a three-year master's program okay. in our history, so I am working on my thesis. Mm. <laughs> but uh, so I feel like, oh man, I wish Javier caught me on the the last end where I really knew <laughs> what I'm talking about, and my yeah, yeah. my research can really congeal in a clear, legible way. But right now, um, this phrase, as I was driving over and listening to previous episodes, uh, this phrase was just in my mind that I thought would be really fun which was, quote, starts into epistemic bottoming. Okay. <laughs> so I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like it might be a good starts? way to... So starts kind of like, yeah, first forays into the ideas of okay. epistemic bottoming. Okay, epistemic... I think I know what bottoming means. <laughs> is what, it, is do you, it, I, what do you think bottoming is, means? Is this like a, an LGBT uh, bottoming or... Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did I phrase that appropriately? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Was that sensitively uh, stated? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just... I literally don't know what the other word is though. Oh. It pees you up. Epistemic. Epistemic. So... I already, like, associated with a different... Episiotomy? (laughs) I was... It's basically a term that comes out. It's just part of a lot of, you know, it's very jargony, but it's a phrase that I've been coming across a lot in academia. But but it really is helpful because it really describes its... um, The ways in which knowledge is produced and, and understood... Okay. This is just my bunk ass philosophy definition of like no, ep- no, that's ep- fine. Ep- of the episteme. I'm, I'm bunk ass. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it's combining this idea of the way that knowledge is produced and understood, combined with um, unique positionality of uh, of bottoming. So, okay. <laughs> so what's the what's the word again? <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's epistemic. Epistemic. So epistemic okay. bottoming. Epistemic. <laughs> Epistemic means that you are, it's, it's in reference to how information is disseminated and it, uh, consumed. It's like, if I'm getting this correctly, and I'm no philosopher, but it's part of like a, a broader metaphysical, philosophical project that usually it's accompanied with two, with another term ontology, mm-hmm. which is um, the way in which, how do we understand and know that something exists? 
So usually that kind of study revolves. So this is around, like super heady in in terms of so it's, it's super heady. Yeah. It's, no, I mean it's like metaphysical or uh, it, not necessarily metaphysical, but it's philosophical at the very least. It's not. Um, it's just, it, it doesn't necessarily live in the realm of like a scientific study of or is or does it like? I mean. It like can, would, it would can. You, it can okay so but the, i mean normally like it wouldn't be in the discourse of of like a data driven discipline like um sociology or i don't yeah. know what else like but physics. it but it fits in within um within art history yeah okay um well a lot of like art historical you know the super just, scientific study yeah the, <laughs> Yeah, my super scientific study of art history, but um, mm. it's sort of like you know, like or the, just in general. I mean, my I, I, I'm, I, this is a cliche, but definitely like agreed upon fiction. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, so I, I mean, and then fictions. How do fictions become realities? And I don't know, but um, yeah. anyway. so then, and how does bottoming? Uh, are we going to get graphic today? <laughs> we can. I don't know what your limits are. <laughs> I, I apparently I don't have any because I was okay. hanging out with a past guest of the show and 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 we were just like broing out and and we got into details and I was like, oh man, like apparently uh, being a bottom is kind of like is rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just. I feel like um, yeah. See, um, it was really. I mean, among the gay Twitter, Instagram spaces. Oh, I mean, on a, like... <laughs> on a physical, mechanical sense, like yeah. it just—it <laughs> is literally rough. rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it is like hard work. Like I was like, uh, oh, or I, I had the uh, illusion of the notion. Like I don't know why. I mean, it's not like I'm like I have a fetish for anal sex or anything like that. But which is okay. Yeah. No. No. no I'm not. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, like. I, in my case, I have to persuade a woman <laughs> to do it. And like, um, but I always kind of had the fantasy, like you watch porn that like, oh, there's like, you can do use yeah. poppers. I found out that poppers <laughs> do not take the pain away. <laughs> it's not just like the general South panacea. Yeah. Like, it's uh, not just like, oh yeah, this makes anal sex fun now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was disillusioning. <laughs> yeah, for some for some I reason, it. I was disappointed with that reality, and then I, much more uh, sympathetic to the plight of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly. That's kind of that sounds like epistemic bottoming. Right oh, now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, nice. So yeah, so but that was like eye opening for sure. I was like, you know, because um, they're intimate conversations, especially like and like. But like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh, shit <laughs> learning, is- learning, like just a peek behind the curtain of like, yeah, it's not all like fun and games, you know? Cause I feel no. like a lot of the branding, uh, the LGBT branding is that like, uh, like, especially like with corporate, uh, mindsets is very, um, like everything is great. <laughs> and then yeah, to hear a gay guy be like, idea, idealized yeah. bottoming. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't reckon with the pain to bottoming. <laughs> no, I mean like I myself, like, yeah, or I, um, am a queer identified person who is Filipino American. I was okay. born and raised in California. I don't know any other languages besides English. So you don't speak Tagalog? I don't speak Tagalog, no. Okay. And I, I just said that so you knew I knew your language. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know Tagalog? It sounds that, like it. That, no. That's a flex. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I'm, I'm through this graduate experience and through sort of I don't, 
I grew up as a, in a typical Asian American household, intending to be a doctor or working um, in the medical field. And okay. A lot of things that were wrapped up with the humanities were just de-emphasized. So, I, um, I mean, I took Spanish in high school, and Wait, then I so just, you said the humanities were de-emphasized. De-emphasized, okay. yeah, because right. I was so that's trying to be you, a doctor. Some so shit. you're so fucking rebellious, <laughs> artist, art historian. No, yeah, well, it was a thing where. Do you have an art practice, or you just don't have time with the art history? No, I mean, I would, I would love to have an art practice, but I just don't think it's a, just a different realm of problem solving. That yeah, 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 I am unequipped to no, even that's fine. attempt. <laughs> Um, an attempt, an attempt to attempt. So, um, yeah, yeah. we need everybody in this game. <laughs> yeah. This ecosystem of, of arts writers and, and arts, arts practice practitioners. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah. Have, so, you've never been to the Philippines? No, I haven't. I've been to the Philippines, but I've never been to Cuba. So we oh, got really? something in oh, common. Okay. Yeah, we share. We're like brothers and brothers sisters in and coloniality. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of which, your last name is Miranda, which is fucking uh, Spanish colonialism yeah, at peak. Totally. Right? Yes, yeah. it is. And it's like, uh, I never reckoned with that coloniality until I totally ditched my medis- my medical career in college, my undergrad. <laughs> and, and, uh, my That's like going class. through the matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took the, whatever color the pill is, you know, the, the, the knowledge like, one. Oh my God. I'm stereotyping myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, do I have a Spanish last name? And like coming to this realization. No, I mean, I always knew this, but didn't, didn't want to explore that or, unpack what kinds of inherited power that I wield just be, from having being a brown person, Filipino person with yeah. a Spanish last name. So, um, yeah, so I, I went to school for as a pre-med student and then in my Holy last shit. year, I mean, I was always like into um, the gateway drugs of, uh, like grunge music and, and, wait, wait, and visual wait, culture that on. came with it. You lost me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, Med I school was, and grunge. <laughs> well, I was like a non-conforming, okay. non-conforming oh. Filipino growing up in high school, um, that really liked a lot we'll of... T- we'll talk grunge in the second half. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't know. This is just me throwing yeah, that term yeah. around. But, um, but I was, uh, I was, yeah, non-conforming Filipino with, uh, with a pretty... Um, grew up in a single-parent household, and my mom was, was coming up from being... Was getting her nursing degree simultaneously that we were, you know, growing up, so... Yeah. Um... So traditional Filipino upbringing. <laughs> traditional Filipino upbringing, yeah. Mom, mom working to become a nurse, yeah. And she was a model, you know. She was really a single mom to four kids and being really enterprising. And um, Okay, you threw me off there when you said she was a model because I was, like, thinking Instagram. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, she was also beautiful. Well, actually... She was Teal Tequila. <laughs> she, I wish. I mean, what's interesting... It's you not want so a Nazi mom? <laughs> I know that Filipino culture has a big thing for some reason which I should look historically or seek out scholars who've done work in this area. But there's a big, like, um, hype around beauty pageants and, like, Miss, Miss, I don't know, Universe? I don't know. Which I was actually there when the Steve Harvey thing happened. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my God. I was visiting my dad. Wow, I'm, like, sweating. Just, like, <laughs> you telling me that. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, and it was funny to see it from there, from that side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, just, like, speaking in terms of Spanish colonialism, like, that is, like, uh, so, um, that's the only place in the world that I've ever been, and I grew up in Italy, that abortion is illegal. 
That's mm. how fucking Catholic they it, are it is, over there. Yeah, it's very It's insane, like, that, the, 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 the mark that that left on it. And then also, we firebombed the shit out of them. And, like, it used to be, like, an Art Deco city in Manila. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, uh, because mm-hmm. of where it was strategically, like, it, it just got destroyed. There's this guy that does this, uh, there's this tour guide. Because, like, what's left of... Uh, like old uh, um, Manila mm-hmm. is like really li- limited and it's all very cool and, and quaint. Even that part had to be rebuilt, but like, yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things. <laughs> cool and quaint. Like it's like old Spanish colonial buildings that have, that well, have but that's, been rebuilt. That, some of them have, but like the most of the, most of like what, you know, like, over here people are like oh it's a spanish colonial house without like really registering what they're saying yeah (laughs) yeah it's become like a design term yeah exactly but like that was it was literally it was a place where uh where the east met the west uh and it was like it, it the guy gave a really impassioned like thing about it um they have like halo halo, which is like this. Yeah, the, the, this, this the it's like a mixed with, with dessert drink, thing. Yeah, with a bean, it's like we're like bean dessert. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it was like such a weird like uh, culinary thing. But and then just like he he got into like the the Spanish like you know just how all of that like it used to be all mud huts until uh, or you know straw huts and stuff until the Spanish colonials came uh, and the um, and like made it so catholic that now they uh don't now they, now they're yeah. anti-abortion totally. you know yeah it's crazy and then there, i mean obviously there's also like the uh that's the only place i've ever been that has the skin whitening uh oh, creams yeah. yes yeah i grew up with those papaya soaps Just oh like, for real yeah wow i mean my mom is so i was gonna backtrack a little bit because um, model, you're like I was like ah, a, a model to of femininity, but also my mom was also um, she grew up in in, in a lot of affluence. She was um, mm. my family has a record label called Villar Records that um, oh I can only hear about through my family's stories and it, it's um, so it's Filipino music. It's yeah, they like are coined OPM original Filipino music and they're credited. According to my parents and some sources, that they've like pressed a national anthem. They they published a lot of indigenous music, but oh, wow. um, my a lot of the photo, like all the archival materials that are like family albums and stuff, come from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of photos of you know my, the multiple estates that Villar Records had in the in Manila um, and around the specifically around the seventies. So at the time, they were importing a lot of R and B and disco. Wow. Um, so it's a really interesting um, golden era for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom always talks about, you know, she went to a private school, an all-girls school, was <laughs> raised to be a debutante. Sorry, mom. And, like, she studied dancing. <laughs> that's, that's dope, and, uh, though, yeah. yeah. she had just photos of her in beauty pageants. She was gorgeous and everything. And she just talks about, you know, the Philippine glitterati and how our family were hanging out with celebrities and these exorbitant parties and... Um, but I never experienced any of that wealth because I, I was born um, well after my family um, immigrated into the U.S. And okay. we were living in a, um, in Apple Valley, which is <laughs> uh, a very... It always, I, uh, I, it always fascinates me where immigrants move. 
you know, like specifically with my family, it's so obvious where they moved, right? It was like Cuba to Miami. To Miami. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, we're not going far. We like the climate. <laughs> Fuck you. But, uh, but yeah, I've ha- I had actually uh, Pamela uh, Ramos, who uh, was on like a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I, I listened to that episode. Yeah. And she she was like posting pictures in Baltimore. And now I like, I'm like, oh, that's why she's in Baltimore. She's like, that's where her family... <laughs> but like, it is fucking random sometimes. Or it feels that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. What, what kind of work was there in, in Apple Valley? I So my family moved to Alhambra or West Covina or one of them, which okay. has like a, you know, they kind of found... There's already already a Filipino community there, yeah. And according to what I, my understanding is that Villar Records was trying to branch out and start the Villar Records Los Angeles, mm. um, and because the music business in Los Angeles, it's probably pretty difficult to find a niche for um, Philippine music, yeah, yeah especially um, folk they, music, yeah. Yeah, and they just, which is, I, I, I suppose. Um, and, and just stuff. like the the dual responsibility of just moving to the states and act and yeah. I don't know, um, adjusting quote, but um, but well, that's also that that makes me th- sorry. You finished what you were saying. No, oh no, okay. That that makes me think of uh, just how like uh, how selectively we uh, selective we are about like the the folk music that like because Cuban song had a big moment in like the late nineties, early two mm-hmm. thousands with uh, with uh, Vim Vendors making that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. What's it called? Buena Vista Social Club. Mm-hmm. And and like and so it, to me, it's interesting. Just like I don't actually know what uh, yeah. Filipino music. Now I want to hear it. <laughs> well, it's, folk music sounds like. I mean, I would like to. Well, first, like I was just funk is just an, ama- an amazing genre of music on its own. It's already okay. um, it already. It carries with it a lot of aesthetics from counterculture, specifically American counterculture. So I was wondering, like, as a place that is like a record label that is has two problems. It's it's pushing some kind of indigeneity mm. and a national pride. Um, and at a time where it was not. Like, now it might be a I different mean, story. Now that culture's gotten more nicheified and, like, Filipinos could find it, you know? Yeah. I it, mean, it like, was just, yeah. like, a very heightened... I mean, it was concurrent with the Marcos dictatorship, too. So, um, I there's a lot of problems with that I have with my family experiencing affluence in a really politically tumultuous time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not addressed. Like my my family, my I've never asked my parents about like, oh, do you have guilt for being wealthy in like an, <laughs> an incredibly like militaristic fascist state of the Philippines? And I mean, I would never. And f- instead of um, asking that question, I'd really like I'm trying to mine all of the political implications through studying specifically the history of Villar Records and also the currency that um, Philippine cultural production in the 70s has, including things that are very East-West, like Philippine funk or Philippine disco. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like, there's, um, there's a great uh, musician or DJ, scholar, historian, person in LA um, that uh, works with the city that produces these uh, these nights called, or these um, themed DJ events called manila disco oh cool um and that's such a, a dope name <laughs> i know and i was like it made me feel really proud because i had some like a bloodline to it yeah. but um but i have i have very like very little knowledge of um of like you know my of, of law records and all the artists they supported but i used to live like with an f- older filipino woman um across from mocha on grand mm-hmm. from california plaza 
And one night they had a, a Manila disco night and they brought out this like historic disco band and it was a big deal. And I, I mean, to me, I've never seen such like vibrant uh, response from the Filipino community. And there was like older Filipinos, Filipino families, younger Filipinos. And it was like, they were all just there, you know, dancing to <laughs> to Manila disco. Yeah. So <clears throat> to me, that signaled that there's some kind of nostalgia yeah. or national pride wrapped up with this genre that my family's record label had some uh, hand in mythologizing or producing. Yeah, I think yeah. of it like, um, like how, uh, Tropicalia is, uh, or Bossa Nova, like in Latin America, became really concomitant with um, political movements and political uh-huh. anti-dictatorial, anti-fascist. Yeah. yeah, like, um, like that makes it even doper. <laughs> yeah, but like Bossa Nova <laughs> yeah. and like and Tropicalia I, are like very. I have the Casio tone bank, like you know, on the keyboard <laughs> in my mind of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes and like that's the sound of the revolution you know <laughs> so that's fucking awesome man yeah i didn't know that yeah uh, where did where does bossa nova come from is that brazilian i don't i mean i mean I, this is outside my realm of expertise but i was taking a class in my undergrad on latin american art and uh-huh. um my professor was julia brian wilson who works with a lot of contemporary latin american art and um, has a book called Art Workers, and she reframes minimalism within like labor politics, which is really awesome. But she's this really charismatic pixie professor, and she, yeah, she was the one who introduced like this idea of of tropicalia and like figures like Gaetano Veloso and um, the influence of bossa nova and this this genre of like a distinct Latin American um, countercultural sound mm-hmm. um, that was wrapped up in all sorts of uh, countercultural art and aesthetic movements at the time, like concretism and neoconcretism, a la Elio Oitesica. I'm probably butchering these pronunciations, but <laughs> but it was this thing where it was like, yeah, of course, art, politic, and um, performance are all intertwined. And um, and someone in the, in the Americas who has a similar colonial history with the Philippines has done the work of really mining the, the sound of revolution in the yeah, 70s. Yeah. Um, so this was another period that I would really want to take up as my personal research project. But just Yeah, <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Oh, but what about bottoming? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, then that came back to bottoming. Oh, so I feel like I need to um, qualify my bottoming experiences because... Um, I'm sort of, uh, I can at times be straight passing, um, and, um, and have very little sexual experience, but, <laughs> but, um, so I've only, you know, I've only bought them like a handful of times, if not even <laughs> only, only, uh, only reinforcing the myth that, <laughs> that is now being established in my brain that it's like, bottoming is not fun. <laughs> no, no, it should, no, it's like, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just, no. it was, it just shattered. It really shattered my world to just be like. Oh, there's no way around the pain. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's an amazing sentiment to take on as a methodology for knowledge production. Like, okay, all there is is pain and reception. Oh, is that is that or really? Maybe, I don't know. Well, there's not really a lot the... of work on epistemic bottoming, but someone could do that work. Like, they would take on this kind of uh, existentialist or even um, this very cynical. Um, yeah, they'll take up the the school of whatever the the 
existential pain people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then combine it with like a queer theory, theoretical framework, and that that's epistemic bottoming. I don't know. But <laughs> like, <laughs> so, it, but are you speaking in terms of like? people's perception of bottoming and yeah, okay the or, whole discursive realm of what constructs what you, what bottomness <laughs> okay so like uh, i'm actually kind of ignorant in, oh, in, no? in, uh, in i mean i mean not not like uh what what do you feel like that the the bottom identity is yeah. is defined as so i'll ta- I'll, sp- I'll ground this really specifically in my own body politic but um i'm like a sort of a, i've always been a straight passing kind of frail Asian boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So within the gay community, um, that kind of, that kind of physique, it lends to historical constructions of Asian masculinity as frail, receptive, passive, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess bottom, the Asian bottom, like as an yeah. archetype or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you say, when you're saying that, it also makes me think of just like the, just, I mean, I don't know if a client state would not be the right way to describe, but like subservient state. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. so, so that, that, that probably also adds into that. Right. Do you feel like, um, like, let's say, Korean culture or uh, Japanese or, uh, you know, or or other Asians of, like, um, uh, similar phenotypes? Yeah. Do you you feel like they also have that same identity or do you think that, or does it change where, like, maybe the Japanese have, are seen as a a little differently? I feel like, first of all, I feel like from a personal experience growing up in Apple Valley, I was a handful of like Asian people in in general. Mm-hmm. So there was like, um, of course, like there's a you can there's Southeast Asians which are darker in complexion, and then East Asians. Mm-hmm. But I was you know I was part of like an AP crowd, and my friends were Japanese, Korean, Chinese, um, Filipino, Thai, Vietnamese. Um, but there was very I mean very few of us, and we all just happened to be lumped in sort of one pan-Asian category. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that pan-Asian category is that uh, there's just the lack of education of the cultural differences between um, Asian identities. But um, but especially growing up, um, the really visible Asian identities are Chinese, Japanese, and mm-hmm. maybe Korean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I was growing up, people always assumed that I was... Um, I guess they kind of assumed that was like Japanese or Chinese, but, um, but I mean, and that's interesting, but I mean more in the, in the general, like, uh, zeitgeisty perception or yeah. even, or just like say on Grindr, yeah. uh, you know, like, cause I think that like, there's a stereotype that Japanese men are like kind of freaks because they have like <laughs> tentacle porn and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> so is, is that, do you, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, now, on uh, when people find out that you're Filipino, it seems it's like confusion you've... because they don't know what to make. There's not a lot of Filipino stereotypes to okay. apply to that body 
Um, Unless so, you watch, uh, what's his name, Joe Coy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless you, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, that finger trick does not fucking work on the rice. Oh, the rice one? Yeah. I, I, oh, it, yeah. it depends. Like, it, it's not consistent. Maybe my finger changes size. You, gotta, you, have to, you have to, it's all about having a regular container. And then and then doing oh. like you measure out the rice in the co- correct proportions, and then you find out which okay. line on your finger is which, actually okay. Corresponds. So it's not it's not universal because no, I was like it's not universal. I was like <laughs> I don't think it's universal, but yeah, everybody's got a different finger length. And for those that don't know, uh, Joe Coy has a routine. I mean, he's he's also got a really funny one about his fucking son, <laughs> where he just destroys his life. <laughs> Talking about, uh, yeah, I have a small dick. <laughs> uh, I love Joe Coy for um, for bringing visibility into Filipinos, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although he did have a joke about like uh, Mexicans having uh, kids early, and I was like, oh come on, man, that's like a sideways punch you didn't need to take. I know, right? <laughs> and, yes. uh, I mean, like whatever. I'm not gonna cancel him because that shit is funny. But anyway, so the, he has a bit about how now his son buys rice. And it's like a small little packet and that he used to buy this huge thing that he had to carry. Uh, and the idea is that you cook rice, uh, that you measure the water in relation to the rice based on this, the first knuckle, the first line on your, on the inside of your finger. Yeah. It was, um, I've been told like the first line on my index So that finger, is like a thing and you of your it. index finger. Oh, maybe I did the wrong finger. I mean, I, after I measured out the proportions, I figured out that it's my middle finger first line. Okay. That is. And do you go from the top of the rice or from the the bottom of the I pan? Let it, I, I uh, let it rest on top of the surface of the, of the rice. rice. Okay. But who knows? I'm going to try it again. I'm, sure I'm going to try it again. I'm just doing yeah. less rice this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is actually really funny. <laughs> that you can, that's like, that I'm like uh, referencing his bit and you're like, yeah. That's well, how you I mean, that, yeah, it was, I like how, yeah, there are certain... There's, there's like a, it's, it, he's not full of shit. There's a truth to that, yeah. It's part of the, it's part of a Philippine diasporic discourse at this point, because everyone who's Filipino presumably yeah. knows, like, the, the finger so, trick. And sorry, just to change the subject, um, but, uh, so one of the things that I also found interesting, or find interesting about a Filipino culture, which ties us back to the bottoming thing, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I don't know where I heard it from, uh, it could have been NPR, or it could have been My Favorite Murder, anywhere, any f- of many problematic, <laughs> like racially problematic sources. Um, but I think it was a story about uh, apparently a karaoke is very big in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And that one of the things that they do to uh, like diffuse um, machismo escalating between and and I always find that funny, like uh, where people are like the patriarchy, the patriarchy. I was like, yeah, who taught, <laughs> who, who came and and imposed that shit on, oh, on right. all these yeah. cultures, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so like to diffuse that, they have uh, trans women as bartenders or, or as bouncers, and they when they get oh. confronted by that by that, I'm sorry, that was horrible. That, <laughs> no, that shit is bad. <laughs> um, by by that situation is where I was going but mm-hmm. uh, I should rephrase uh, when the, like it's it's not emasculating for them and then it it sort of diffuses like uh, the escalation because apparently there's like a thing in the Philippines where if you sing my uh, my way you'll get murdered oh my god yeah <laughs> and so like yeah and like there's a uh, 
I th- I mean, according to this, like, very problematic s- retelling of, like, the murders that I heard from, like, two white women that are now super rich <laughs> <laughs> and are, like, uh, it, you know, constantly in hot waters for being somewhat problematic. <laughs> uh-huh. But, um, but yeah, so th- that, I find that interesting, like, um, just, just, just in terms of, like, where it's not homophobic, it's machista, but it's not homophobic, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, and again, I don't even know if this shit is true. <laughs> yeah. I, this is why I have such a, um, a disconnect between, you know, claiming like my research is primarily between is on Philippine post-colonial aesthetics, mm-hmm. but I was born and raised in California and my yeah. education is all in Western art. Um, and it, it pains me to feel like I don't know anything about like, I mean, I heard specific, it on a podcast. It's yeah, not like I'm super cultured. But but I, w- yeah. I wish I could draw, like to me, I could make some conjecture. Like, yeah. I know that there are, um, there are instances of not necessarily intersex, but um, spiritual figures in indigenous northern Philippines. Um, and I will not say the name because I can't remember it. I'm, mm. I don't want to risk misremembering. Yeah. It's like, um, it's some, Janet Jackson. It's like by a lot. It's so, just, yeah, it might as well be Janet Jackson in my worldview. My but it, there's like a respect, a respect for, um, for gender nonconformity that's uh-huh. more associated with possessing the power of two. Oh, um, okay. Of two genders or like being more associated with the divine. Um, so I'm wondering if that kind of, of that kind of trace of indigenous um, knowledge um, makes its way into popular metropolitan yeah, that's interesting. culture. Like, um, like well, a, we definitely don't have in our culture anything like that. So. <laughs> but like, but you know, I mean, it, her, her method, uh, Hermes was a hermaphrodite, no? Yeah. yeah. Right? It was like. Hermes plus Aphrodite is the hermaphroditic. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. I'm trying, yeah, it's, there's just so much information I can keep in my brain. No, right. No, um, but yeah, and then the other thing that that I find interesting just about that is, like, there is sort of this, um, I think that, like, one of the things that's really turning people off in the divide in, in culture is that there's this sense of, like, um, that like education is uh, you know like higher education specifically places like Harvard you are, are make you sort of smart but really what we're starting to realize is that they kind of just train you in a certain worldview oh, yeah. you know um and i find it funny where there's like a whole subset a subset of people that are like uh, up, still upwardly mobile in, in a time where most people aren't, and they would like, they would be like, "Oh, the Philippines, fuck them. They have a, you know, uh, it's uh, abortion is illegal. It's repressive and shit like that." But then they also have these things that it's kind of woke by our standards, right? Like where we're just cap- catching up to like, because uh, I mean, I d- just trans people, I think, have uh, historically been more accepted in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. just from my experience and my discussions with Filipino people. But, um, 
but yeah, to, to me, it's fascinating. Just like what, like it, it goes to that thing of like, what's really left and what's really right. And like, yeah. And it changes, you know, you could be on the left and still be racist. Like when you were a Dixiecrat, like, mm-hmm. you know, now we think of like, Oh no, to be on the left, you can't be racist. It's like, uh, no. yeah, it's, it's <laughs> always like it, 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 all of these, um, ideological stances are kind of up for grab. They need to be more provincialized, I guess, if that's not a problematic term to say. Like, yeah, um, like, liberalism is not a universal construct. Yes. Like, what does liberalism mean in the Philippine metropole? What does it mean for the Philippine diaspora in the South? What is it? So... Yeah. Um, and and there's a lot of context in, in, important in that, which I think that a lot of people... Like, when, you know, I think that a lot of people on the quote-unquote left, I think it's like the center-right, uh, uh, they're... They're dismissed. They kind of approach the world similarly with like, oh, it's a shithole. It's quaint, you know, like like as that uh, Trumpian attitude. But uh, they think in terms of like racial justice, but they don't think in terms of global racial justice. They just don't oh, yeah. want black people to get shot by cops here, yeah. you know. But they're cool, totally cool with us droning the shit uh, out of people, right. stealing people's resources. They're like, you know, one of the things that's fascinating to me is like. If you listen when they say like we're we're defending our is- interests abroad, what the fuck does that really mean? <laughs> yes. And and who determines what our interests are abroad? You mm. know, like it's just this like really uh, cryptic thing that gets to happen because we sort of think of ourselves as like benevolent, but we're really shit. <laughs> yeah, or even not even think in nuance about like it's so easy to say terms like protect our interests abroad without really. Yeah. Tracing that, or exactly what are who, yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> which resources, which people, yeah. yeah. Like essentially, what they mean by that is we want to make sure every little piece of the earth is open to the extraction industries and to the financial mm-hmm. markets, and like that's not our uh, uh, fi- uh, our interests. That's mm-hmm. the uh, you right. know like the deep state or the bureaucratic state, which is a better term. Uh, like of the people like that, you know, spy on Carter Page, and <laughs> and then it turns out Scar because he he was an informant for them. It's just this like really fucking interesting. Uh, it just really like selective like understanding of of international mm-hmm. politics. Yeah, and I would like to. I mean, I don't have a fluency with international politics of course <laughs> no i'm sorry yeah, but yeah. no no but i i think that it would be really interesting to look at let's bring the bottom back <laughs> like you know it's like all this research that um or a lot of methodology that has these really easy coinages like history from below or um start with like or grassroots you know? yeah what are they really saying is like why don't we invert or start from like the opposite of where power is yeah. consolidated, um, yeah. which is, I think, like, what I would... I think that... Who are the bottoms or the bureaucrats that are really, <laughs> like, you know, like, we need to interview the ones who are... Um, that actually... They're kind of middlemen and perpe- perpetuating violent policy, and perhaps we don't receive a lot of perspective about exactly, like, um, about, I guess, the... the Post-colonial scholars would say, like the subaltern are those who are, um, are not usually configured in high visibility and and powers, and perhaps I mean, 
yeah, who is who is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just think that like a lot of people have their heads up their ass in terms in terms of like their like just right. in, in in terms of self importance and in terms of like um, to some degree if you've invested your life's belief system into this idea that like it's hard to to have that shit challenge right it's hard it's hard it, yeah. it it's uh, it's hard to sort of be reflective and be like. Oh yeah, like because then you're depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the second you realize you're complicit, you know, like you're just like, oh, this is not fun. Yeah. Like I, I remember, I remember the episode, or I don't remember which episode it was, but I remember like way back when I started this show, I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know anything about Latin American history. I want to learn, and now I'm like, fuck, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like. It's it, it's it's a bummer. It really is like it, yeah. it makes you realize that like uh, a lot of the well w- w- uh, a point that I want to reiterate that I uh, I made talking to my friend Peter, which was you know because a, a few people have come on the show and and said that they're afraid that we're going to become a fascist like state and um, like. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> we already there. <laughs> it's been that way, right? I, if we're going back into the terms of bottom, uh, bottoming and tops, like we're that like super white privileged top that went to Harvard mm-hmm. and is <laughs> yeah. like, you know who, who we are? We're fucking Brian Singer. <laughs> Creepy dude that's trying to fuck everybody else. And it's like, and then, but also like has no uh-huh. boundaries and it's just like, no, your shit is mine. I fucked you good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's part of the, like, like colonialism is very rapacious. A lot of it is about penetration, extraction, <laughs> like yeah, spreading real. your seed, yeah. homogenizing your race. Like that's all comes from an episteme of, of like kind of an erotic language, like bottoming and topping Dom, yeah. dominant versus submissive, where yeah. the submissive is always historically constructed as disempowered or, um, so I'm <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I feel like that's just part of another metaphor of, um, what does it mean? to really take on the position of the person who is always receiving, accepting, <laughs> accepting pain and pleasure. Or Maybe like, that's why I was so <laughs> fucking disappointed when I found out that there's no such things as poppers that make pain go away. Oh, well, I mean, I have, <laughs> oh, I have you know had what my is? share of poppers in my life and they didn't, they were, um, they weren't in sexual situations. So I don't know how effective <laughs> they are in terms of like. What, what other uh, uses does, uh, does anal nitrate have? Um, well, I mean, I, I only, I've only tried it once. See, this will show that the lack of sexual experience and all the real bottoms out there, like this bitch has no authority to talk about bottoming right now. Uh, That's just because, uh, it's all a bunch of judgmental dudes. (laughs) It's all, it's all those, sorry, like those weeho, like a snort of contempt just came over me, but it's it's like all the weeho gays. Sorry, weeho gays. It's, it's, it's all the booty judge uh, donors. (laughs) No, I know there's diversity in weeho. I just... Anyway, but um, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's probably a little. Uh, pro- There's diversity, but not necessarily class diversity. Mm, yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's why. I mean, because that shit ain't even happening in this neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it goes to show too that I should say that when I had poppers, I like I like instantly passed out with uh, with a good friend of mine. We like were trying it for the first time. My friend uh-huh. was like. 
this is nothing. Like, try it. See, like, explore the world. Like, you need to know this for your queer fluency and your queer culture. So, like, we both tried poppers and then we knocked out until 4 a.m. And then we woke up to, like, a gaggle of gays falling upon the bed on us. We're like, oh. <laughs> I guess I'm like, it really is, like, a sedative. But um, in that case, like, it wasn't in preparation for penetration or anything okay. like that. <laughs> I can't but believe But given I... how unconscious I was, it seems like it would be. <laughs> that took place in WeHo. So. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, who can say what takes place in WeHo? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone can draw a kind of racialized line and be like, oh, yeah, the reason why poppers are centered in WeHo is because they have the economic privilege and resources to buy poppers in the first place. <laughs> Whereas if you're like an East Side gay like me, then we're just going to... You just got to do it raw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to, yeah... Yeah. really sutra about well it. <laughs> i mean that there's uh there's a metaphor there too right like because even european states are sort of bound to us by currency so mm-hmm. that the markets are stabilized so they're sort of still subservient which is why they go along with all the bullshit so i mean i don't know i'm trying to stretch it but i'm trying i'm trying but you know there's something there i just didn't quite land it but you get what i'm saying like like just the idea yeah i mean um uh, just going back to that, like, Harvard gay <laughs> metaphor. You know that what? I was, <laughs> yes. And they have the whole crew of other Harvard people. Yeah, but, like, there's always a whole be- network of, um, well, the re- I'm specifically researching this uh, Filipino-American artist who was educated in Harvard. And mm. um, um, and so he's, he's historicized really mainly because he was a wealthy Filipino who was educated abroad, then completed his master's at Harvard. Um, and he was just very well connected. And he had, uh, you know, under the under the advisory of Lee Krasner, mm-hmm. Jackson Pollock's wife, um, got an estate in the East Hamptons that he calls the Creeks, um, which became an enclave for the New York School Abstract Expressionism. So he was, he was in the East Hamptons... Um, during in in the post-war period from like 50s and 60s and, and, and onward but he had like bought and patronized a lot of abex artists so he bought like lavender mist um from jackson when jackson pollock was showing wow. in galleries and um he how much here. did he buy it for i wonder <laughs> i don't know see that's where my research needs to go deeper but <laughs> but other other things too like he was like hosting them and you he like hosted Clifford Still and okay. all of these iconic, you know, iconic um, Abex artists um, and Abex, Abex? Is, or abstract expressionist okay. artists. All right. um, oh yeah, I, I that wasn't for the audience. That was I literally oh, no, didn't know no, that. No. <laughs> I had a briefs. I really admiring all the vulnerability. Then you're going on this journey with me, you know, oh, discovering you. epistemic bottoming together. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> Uh, the whole premise of the show is that I'm kind of an idiot. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean I'm a I'm a smart idiot, or I don't. I mean that's branded. That's like the that's someone else's podcast. No, Brilliant idiots. You're but an intellectual. <laughs> I'm 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 an intellectual for the layman. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone, uh, uh, one of my. Uh, favorite podcast that no longer that's defunct now uh, the long shot used to call themselves a self-helpless podcast which <laughs> which is like, <laughs> i love it <laughs> which like I, i've always been like yeah yeah see there's some kind of identification with like weakness and um 
that I also think is, just, you know, I can bring back the bottom metaphor again. Like, there's something about, like... Oh, I, I feel like a bottom <laughs> all my life. Wow. I've never had <laughs> anal... I've never been on the receiving end. It makes me so proud to hear a cis, presumably hetero man say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But I, like, take it up with, with like, with empowerment and agency and stuff like that. I'm oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and two things. I don't want to shame... Obviously, I don't want to shame, uh, uh, like, because it does feel like we're... We're we're exploring the pejorative nature of the of the term, but I also want to you know not not necessarily. I'm not trying to shit on people that went to Ivy League schools, oh. you know. Like, oh. and my point is it's not okay to shit on them though. <laughs> no, I mean I've had guests that uh, I've I think I've had three guests that have gone to Yale, and they're very nice people. And uh, but even though that being the case, I do think that there is like like. Uh, for better or worse, if you go to a school like that, people relate to you differently, mm -hmm. right? And and your own expectations of yourself kind of change. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not to say that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, like, in my interactions with them, I can tell that they're coming from a different training background than, like, somebody that's not gone to one of those schools and is maybe oh, a yeah. little bit more casual with their, like, quote-unquote career. Mm -hmm. um, not that like anyone's been a control freak or anything, but just like the, you, like you can just sort of sense a vibe. Sometimes there's like, um, sort of like a bit of guilt, like especially white guilt in some cases, but in other cases it's, it's just a sense of like, um, you can just, you just get a sense that like someone's been telling them that their work is good in a way that there, there's a validation mechanism there that right. comes that uh, externally from society, having been through that experience and having that uh, badge uh, of honor that sort of changes your own expectations of yourself, I think, mm -hmm. uh, and then also affects your worldview. Yes. And, and it, you know, like, for example, if you go to Columbia School of Art, I'm sure it's a very different experience than if you go to the Columbia School of Journalism where the CIA recruits people, right? Like oh <laughs> that like so I'm saying like there's nuance like right not all like Ivy League schools are all the same not all not like you know not one schools all departments are equally like problematic, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Although Tom Roma did get in trouble for like some me too shit, I think. If he didn't, oh. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like throwing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, a past Drag guest. Her. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Well, that's precisely the dilemma with this character, this person, Osorio. Because mm. um, how how do I make an argument for Philippine coloniality and minoritarianism when he was solely like came from a Spanish background? He was from a sugar milling family and um, and got to go to like study abroad and was yeah. educated in an elite school. Um, but his artistic production is really interesting because um, it so happens that he was a student to Paul Cadmus, who who did the the fleets in American Regionalist mural that was sponsored by a national arts program that got censored because. Um, it was a lot of these busty body, body, bodies, um, kind of cavorting. Uh, and it's, it, these aesthetics are very, very like proto to Tom of Finland. Like it's a lot of this homosociality, 
Okay. Um, and it just so happens that, you know, it come like it comes from a place like like Paul Katniss was teaching at Harvard, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I need to fact check, but yeah. um, but like there's but they didn't there was in the thirties there was you can't just you can't make an identity claim for being gay. Um so Richard Meyer, who is a gay art historian or a queer art historian, has this incredible article where he's interviewing Paul Cadmus, who is like the godfather mm-hmm. of like, he produced uh, a homoerotic queer aesthetic and mm-hmm. is like, um, Richard Meyer is sort of out trying to get at this idea of like, how much are you using a gay aesthetic and how much do you recognize um, all this pride that has been built around your work? And he just was like, I'm not, I'm not a gay, I'm, I'm an artist mm-hmm. or uh, I'm not gay. I'm just, I work, I'm really interested in the this Renaissance in the 30s. and new, what was that? This was in the thirties you said? So um, he was making work um, between like all, Fleetson, I believe, dates from the 30s. Um, okay. and But Richard Meyer is a contemporary art historian. Okay, sorry. Who was able to interview him, an elderly... Oh, okay. Um, Paul Cadmus, actually, before he was... Before he um, passed away. Uh-huh. So it's just an, a, just an episode that um, talks about how queerness is operating and exists in really elite spaces, like mm-hmm. a white masculine space in Harvard. Yeah, yeah. And how they code and how they perform and make art in conjunction with each other. So, um, but very white, like queer, white, gay space, um, which is, seems to be really what's protected more than anything else. I mean, like in terms of like, um, well, there's a lot of token, like, uh, representation that happens, I think. Um, but if, if there's a... There's almost like it's, it's something that I've said before on the show, but um, it's like having diversity where it's like a white man, a white woman, and a gay man. <laughs> That's awful, yeah. But like that is sort of the attitude of like, you know. Uh, That's like the will and grace kind of diversity in multi yeah. <laughs> Or you know what? I'll give him credit. I'll be like, it'll be a black man. A white woman and a gay man, or you know, or maybe the gay man will be the black guy. <laughs> you know, like where <laughs> it's put like, it all in one body. Yeah, but it go, it's it's that thing. I mean, again, it's the Ellen DeGeneres hanging out with this guy thing. It's like it's class solidarity over uh, with this guy being George W. Mm. Bush. It's like it's at a certain point, uh, she's no longer a champion for like her success is separate from her gayness, right? Like she's reached oh, a yeah. stratosphere where she's like, like, I guess there's a level of success where you can't be hanging out with broke motherfuckers. And no. the only people around to hang out with are just like war criminals or like Jeff you Bezos. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that happens on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been fascinated, um, by one of the things there, there's this like uh show that the hill tv does that i mentioned before called rising and one of the things that i find most interesting about that is there's a conservative guy on there this guy uh uh sagar and jetty who's uh, of indian descent mm-hmm. and like i've never heard so such fucking rational conservatives that like can actually think critically put on television and now i'm like fuck i need to like read what these guys think because it's like more economic policy i mean sometimes they have like complete idiots on both from both sides but it's like it's interesting how i feel like for such a long time 
I've been caught up, especially growing up during the the Clinton years and stuff, mm-hmm. like just being indoctrinated into this idea of like what left versus right is, and it's changed so much. Like there was a time where like during the Iraq War it was like fuck going to war, and now everybody's like yeah war, well, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so I don't know. It, I I mean, if you want to talk about who's the bottom in in our mm-hmm. national politics, <laughs> <laughs> who is the bottom in national politics? <laughs> well, which party? <laughs> party of bottoms. <laughs> uh, well, there's some sophistication to that also, also too, because that's the one that that's the party that panders the most to. I mean, they didn't even give them marriage rights on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's like strategic. Um, that's that's kind of like one of for me it was like I, going back to the abortion thing just like um you know the moment that abortion passes like a whole subset of people are going to just stop voting <laughs> right and then a whole other subset of people is going to be like really yeah. motivated well this is abortion is a really strong divisive issue for me i mean it is really on point in terms of filipino communities because because of the strong identity around Catholic community, yeah. Um, my family, for example, sorry, I'm gonna out them. <laughs> no, that's there fine. are some members of my family who I love and adore, and were um, influences in my life, but they voted for Trump because, yeah. um, be- only because he's that's the party of the anti-abortion, yeah, yeah. and so he's the most. That's a reality. I I I know motherfuckers that no doubt voted for Trump in Cuba or for, in Miami. Like no doubt that I'm related to because of the capitalist pride kind yeah, of a deal. Yeah. Or well, they're they're just so insanely suspicious of anything having to do with socialism because mm, they got their yeah. shit taken away. But you know, but then at the same time, like they're it, it, you know we don't have to get into like Miami politics because they're so fucking uh, overwhelmingly confusing. And it's like there's yeah. so much there there's so much you can say about like did, was it Castro that starved the people or was it oh. us that starved yeah. Castro <laughs> who starved the people <laughs> you know like uh, I, it's it's it it gets into like that foggy area shit one of the things that I'm excited about is learning more and more about like. Uh, indigenous history, f- not uh, yeah. whitewashed, which is interesting. It's also heartbreaking, <laughs> but um, but yeah, totally. I I feel like yeah, l- looking into the indigeneity of Cuba and um, yeah. what what political lineages can you draw that that kind of further illuminates this complex, um, disidentificatory. Racial and political politic, where you can be both brown and a capitalist, or like yeah, you know, or yeah, like yeah, in my yeah. case, like um, have members of your family that are out, um, outspokenly queer and negatively affected by Trump's administration, yet they're hanging on to the one abortion yeah. <laughs> value. And there's, there's, there are straight up Latinos that are anti-immigration. No fucking doubt. I'll, oh, I, I, yeah. I'll, all we have to do is walk around, and I'm sure we'll find somebody it's, in this neighborhood it's, that's it's, like yeah. Mexicans that will, or Hondurans that are like, no, fuck that. It's really painful, and yeah. it's it's part of the pride of coming to America, working hard and achieving somewhat a little bit of security that makes you want to throw away 
yeah. all of your, um, in my case, Filipinoness, and really assume this kind of American enterprise. And then all of a sudden, your attitude is like, I'm not anti immigrant. I just want them to come the way that I came. Yeah, here, yeah. Which is like, they better be willing to work or they better be like, no handouts and. <laughs> Yeah, or the or the feeling that they give us a bad name, you know, like which is something that I've heard an Uber driver tell me where we were talking about Honduras, uh, you know, yeah, and, it's, and like, it's like it's your own people you're talking about, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like and and so I mean it's not just white people that don't necessarily understand no. the full context of like the geopolitical struggle that neoliberal has. Uh, neoliberalism <laughs> has like fucking reeked uh, or uh, reaped or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. looking for a word. <laughs> I'll let it go. Uh, I've just it's uh, wreaked havoc. I think is mm-hmm. maybe what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, man. All right. I think that we're we're. Oh yeah, we're at an hour and nine mm-hmm. minutes. Let's take a a little break and then. Okay. Uh, do you have any stuff that you want to promote? Are you do you have uh, oh. your, your generic mat? <laughs> on are you at generic matt at, uh, on instagram yes if you if that's yeah and yeah. also i maybe i don't know i don't have anything i work with a couple of museums um but i really like to promote the the wellness and health of retail workers around this very dark and trying time <laughs> before <laughs> the holidays <laughs> so <laughs> that's very very nice of you <laughs> they, they, they probably feel it <laughs> i hope <laughs> all right